Well, hey, everyone, and welcome into another episode of The Sensible Majority, episode number four, and another crazy week in our crazy. country. And I was absolutely wrong. I'll admit it. I <laughs> thought this thing was going to die down. Yeah. I thought the media would turn to something else like they always do. But I think even though it hasn't calmed down, it's been a good week, a good week for people to be heard, yeah. for the African-American community to be able to come out and say what they need to say, and to also get justice for Derek Chauvin uh, against him. Uh, justice for George Floyd. Uh, I think Derek Chauvin now, charges have been upgraded to second-degree murder, yeah. and the other three officers are now behind bars. Yeah. And what we've seen this week, there's been a lot of good, but there's also been a lot of bad. Yeah. Well, as far as those charges getting upgraded, I say pipe them up. This mm-hmm. needs to be an example for what you can't do to an American citizen if somebody feels emboldened by a badge. I think they need to upgrade them as much as they can, and it looks like they're doing that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a crazy week. I just got back from Georgia, so Alex and I and some friends, Josh and Rachel, who are a part of the sensible majority. Yeah. We don't travel with <laughs> people who aren't a part of the sensible majority. You end up getting the wrong directions, cutting corners, <laughs> everything else. But we went to Savannah, Georgia last week, and we had the best time. Yeah. Um, and, and Georgia's back in business. Rock and rolling. Oh, first it, I mean, to really open back up. Governor yes. Kemp, that yes. is, yeah, doing a good job. Kemp, Kemp's got it rolling back in, and he got some Kentucky money rolling into Georgia. Taxpayer dollars. And I just had to spend it. I had to stimulate the Georgia economy because I love Savannah, and we went out to eat. And everywhere we went, they had some. They had some. You know, distancing. not happening here. Nope. <laughs> Ain't happening here. They didn't get my money here. Nope. Sorry. So, um, but yeah, we were in Savannah. The restaurants were popping. Mm-hmm. some great restaurants down there and uh they just had distance tables yeah and then uh all the workers just had masks on and stuff like that mm-hmm. so they had the precautions but other than that you know it was back in business and it was exciting to see and i hope kentucky ends up getting there because we uh me and sarah also get, came back from florida we spent memorial week down there same thing Beaches were packed. People were doing their best to social distance. But going to some of our favorite restaurants when we go on family vacation, it was so weird to go into some of them where it would be absolutely packed. A sea of people, an hour wait to get in, a yeah. little bit of a wait. But, yeah, every other table completely empty. They wouldn't seat any more than 10 to a table. So hopefully now Kentucky, as they're getting ready to, you know, they're already open at 33%. Some restaurants are going to be able to get up to 50%. Hopefully this train starts moving. But please, for the love of God, Andy, open up the pools. I need to get a fried pork chop when I want one. I mean, give me a break. (laughs) Yeah, it is crazy. But a lot of things to talk about this week, and I think the biggest thing that everyone is talking about right now is obviously Black Lives Matter, an important issue out there. But there's the narrative that's going on social media that everyone is talking about is Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. So so what we're kind of hearing is if you don't say Black Lives Matter, then you're either not educated on Black Lives Matters, or if you say all lives matters, you're racist. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I'm not black, didn't grow up black, grew up with a lot of black teammates playing sports. And so I think the first part of leadership I've learned, if it's not something that you feel like you're an expert on, then having the humility and courage to listen Absolutely. before you talk is important. Absolutely. And so I was thinking about that. So I had some time to text some friends and stuff while we were driving back and forth. Uh, and I checked on a couple of old, you know, black teammates um, just this past week, just to see how they were doing and handling this situation and what they were thinking. And the majority of the feedback was essentially, you know, when a, a, the, the illustration that I got a couple times was, you know, when a house is burning in a neighborhood, you don't pour water on the whole neighborhood. 
kind of like I saw on social media, we were talking about what was the example about the cities? Like when there was a shooting in a city, they didn't say all cities were strong. They'd say Boston strong with the bomber. They'd say Las Vegas strong and things like that. Uh, And I understood that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I didn't really think of it that way, but when they illustrated that way, it made sense. I think there is an important level of interest and focus that needs to be put on black lives and then mattering. But you know, the most profound answer I got was when I said, what do you mean? When? Yeah. And my buddy, I said, well, how do you feel about black lives matter? And he said, when, when do they matter? Absolutely. Um, I, think, I, I think there's a narrative there. Yeah. Uh, because here we are when, uh, you know, black lives matter started, I believe with, uh, Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. and his killing. It was and about that time. It's about that time. And everyone's talking about how, um, it's usually when a white police officer does unjustice to right. an African-American, but there's so many black-on-black crimes that happen where black people are being killed every single day. Right. What about the black police officers that are killed, the ones that have been killed since George Floyd was murdered, who have been trying to protect us? All those things end up happening. And so really, does, does Black Lives Matter at this point in time really mean all Black Lives Matters? Right. I mean, they should be truly upset. I mean, there was an article in, the, uh, in a Chicago newspaper today talking about May 31st, uh, in Chicago, it was the deadliest 24 hours that the city has ever seen. 24 young African-Americans killed, 85 others shot in a 24-hour span. And it doesn't get any news coverage, not at all. Right. And you don't hear the Democratic leaders talking about it either. And I think that's the thing that's frustrating uh, and should be frustrating for the African-American community when it comes to Black Lives Matters is that, well, how come our leaders, how come the Democratic Party that's supposed to be our party, mm-hmm. how come the national news media isn't uh, talking about it? Right. Because it almost kind of comes back to like systemic racism. I mean, if you have that in your communities and you're not trying to stop uh, your own race from, in a way, committing a little bit of a, a genocide mm-hmm. in these metropolitan cities, right. then you have a huge problem. So uh, if I'm an African-American leader, if I'm some of these people who are sticking my neck out and fighting for um, – uh, the rights of African Americans with Black Lives Matter. I should be asking not only uh, for those cops to see justice who who murdered George Floyd, but also what about the injustice that's happening to the black communities all across America? That yeah. needs to be talked about. Well, that was one of the, the answers that I got was when do they matter? Do they matter all the time? Because it doesn't seem so. Do they matter when uh, that life, that black life, does it matter when it's an unborn black child? No, not in the media's eyes. No. Does it matter when that's a life of a black police officer? No, not in the media's eyes, not in the protesting uh, you know, community's eyes. Uh, you don't see near as much uh, energy behind those, uh, the, the loss of protesting, the, the loss of those black lives. Uh, do they matter when the life of a black teenager is killed by uh, an, a black peer in the streets, just like you, you know, explained in Chicago? Mm-hmm. I think that's horrible. And some of the stories I used to hear from um, you know, teammates was where friends just lost senselessly to gun violence uh, amongst their own community, begging people to get off the streets and stuff like that. I mean, it, it, it's horrible. And statistically, uh, a young black man, you can look up the FBI statistics online. But it's not young, about statistics. Well, you it talk is. talk about them. It, for the sensible majority, it is. Yeah, it is. The statistical likelihood uh, of a young black man being killed by a police officer is far surmounted by the likelihood that they're killed by another black peer. And so that's ignored because it doesn't fit the media narrative. I think it's so sad. And of the, of those people that I talked to, I asked them all the same question was, well, how do you feel about black on black crime? And they said each had a pretty succinct answer, which was, well, 
yeah, it's right, um, but it doesn't have that same feeling of somebody up, uh, of oppressiveness, of an oppressor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels more like a family quarrel. And so I never thought about it that way. But, you know, if somebody within the U.S. says Trump's a loser, mm-hmm. we, we go, okay, Nancy, we get it. You think he's a loser. Yeah. If, you know, Vladimir Putin says he's a loser or, um, you know, or, or any other world leader talks poorly about him, mm-hmm. the collective response is, well, they're a punk. Like, we, we need to show them our power. Yeah. And I understand that look from a family unit. But, I mean, my goodness, if, they're, if the black lives are going to matter, they better matter all the time. And I heard an analyst come on and kind of say that, you know, it's, yes, what's happening with uh, bad police officers against Afri- African Americans and how it's been throughout history is unjust. Right. But he said what a lot of people need to be focused on, and maybe this is going back to the numbers we were talking about in Chicago, is the crime rate. Right. If the crime rate is down, then less crimes happen. And then what happens when crime rates are down? Fewer calls to the police to come and interact right. with dangerous situations. They're going into the unknown, no matter what race you are. And yeah. I think that's something that happens all over the time. Well, I mean, I do think we need reform with the police. Absolutely. Like, I think there needs to be different procedures. We need to reform police tactics so that there's no free pass to put a knee on a man's neck just because of a false sense of power uh, because of, of a badge. And, and you, a bad apple is a bad apple, mm-hmm. but... The quicker we can essentially work our way out of those situations, the better off this country is going to be. Absolutely. And my thing is, where are some of the leaders for these protests? Right. Where's Colin Kaepernick? Where are some of these multimillionaire star athletes who are, yeah, they're using their voice on social media and Twitter. uh, But what an impact they could have if they were actually in the streets with normal everyday people who are going through it and saying, we're here for you. You don't see them anywhere right no. now. And I think that's another frustrating part for, uh, part for people uh, is to not see some of the, some of the greatest leaders in African-American history that are out there. Where's President Ob- former President Obama? Yeah. Why isn't he out there? Uh, it's, it's kind of a head scratcher. And I get it. You know, it's unsafe with the riots and everything. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we'll see some of them uh, as, the, as the protests continue because right. it doesn't look like they're going to slow down anytime soon. Right. Well, I don't, I don't believe that saying all lives matter is racist. I had some friends who said, well, we, it just feels like you're trying to dilute the cause here by saying all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I understand that they want to put a focus on it, but I believe, you know, I'm not afraid to say black lives matter. I no. shared the, the post, I think it was last week that was going around, um, to, you know, to bring awareness to, uh, the, I think it was blackout Tuesday or something like that. I mean, I support that. I think that there needs to be fundamental change in America, mm-hmm. but we're not going to get there by selecting which black lives matter and which black lives don't. Yeah. It's not going to solve anything. It needs to be everybody. Yeah. And hopefully we get to a point where we're talking about all lives matter because we are one as a people, we're right. one as a country. And hopefully we'll get there someday. Uh, another thing that came out of all of this this week uh, through the protests and the rioting, um, it brought up the debate of flag kneeling, versus protesting and obviously um that was a big deal with colin kaepernick and the nfl right. so how it all this got brought up again was drew Brees, the starting quarterback for the new orleans saints beloved down in that community i think he just donated recently five million dollars to the city to help with yeah. disaster relief and COVID 19 issues and things of that nature but he was being interviewed by yahoo finance i believe and basically was asked the question about protesting and kneeling. And he just simply said that he didn't feel that you should kneel or do anything to not kneel, but didn't want to do anything to disrespect the flag that his grandfather and father had fought so hard for in wars so we can have the freedom that we want to 
want to have. But then, of course, a number of NFL athletes came after him on social media, yeah. said he didn't understand, he didn't get it. Then Drew Brees reverses course and apologizes. Yeah. Right, wrong. Was he getting the message misunderstood, or was he, or was he, was was it a pretty sensible answer to the question? Yeah, I mean, I personally don't believe that distru- that disrespecting the flag is sensible. I don't think it does anything for a cause. However, people fought and died so that people would have the right to speak out freely and express freely. That's what sets us apart from you know communist countries. Uh, where you would get your head cut off for acting that way or speaking out that way against a, you know, or, or disrespecting a flag that way. Um, that's the difference. So if you choose to disrespect the very flag that affords you the freedom to do so, then by all means, you do your thing and I'll do mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd be willing to bet that if disrespecting the flag is your thing, then chances are you've probably never been handed a folded flag at the funeral of a loved one. You might think about things a little bit differently. And so that's how I feel about disrespecting the flag. You can do it if you want to. Mm-hmm. That's what sets us apart. But I think it's a pretty senseless way of, of getting a point across. Absolutely. And I, and I think a majority of the athletes, what they were upset about, and, and if you look at Drew Brees' apology, it was more about, you know what, it's not time to talk about what we've, uh, what's been going on in the past and the controversy about kneeling in the flag. It is about Black Lives Matters. It's about George Floyd and a, a knee on his neck and the injustices that have happened to right. a number of African-Americans at the hands of white police officers, uh, you know, throughout the hor- uh, course of history. So I think that's where a lot of uh, African-American athletes wanted the conversation to be. And that's been a huge problem with the narrative, you know, the conversation being about uh, a bad apple in the police department yeah. hurting an African-American man and ultimately killing him. So yeah. we'll see how it ends up all playing out, uh, especially once the NFL season starts. Right. The other thing, and uh, th- this is – I've seen some wild videos. <laughs> I've seen some things yeah. happening crazy. Uh, but, you know, there are some, and some are, saying, are part of uh, Antifa or the Black Lives Matter, that is saying, uh, well, you should apologize if you're white. You know, there's been some videos of someone walking up onto a white person, yeah. coming out of work, and asking them to get on their knees for Black Lives Matter, and then also apologize for their white privilege. Yeah. Do you feel like you're privileged? Do you feel like you need to apologize for the color of your skin? Uh, I mean, I'm just so confused by this behavior. Uh, The mental illness behind white self-hatred is so sad. And that's exactly what it is. It's a mental illness. To, To feel like you need to get on your knees and apologize to a stranger because you hate your whiteness so much is so appalling to me. I mean, the fact that you define your entire existence by the the color of your skin is racist in and of itself. Yeah. The fact that you feel, man, I am so privileged, and you are <laughs> you are you have such a disability of being black that I need to get on my knees to make ourselves equal. What a slap in the face that is to the black community. I think it's disgusting. It's a huge slap in the face, and I'm not going to apologize for being white. And I don't think anyone who's black should apologize for being black. We're all God's children. We're all human beings. We all want the same things. We all want a good life. We all want to uh, be able to raise our kids and, and our family and be able to provide for them to live in a nonviolent neighborhood. Who doesn't want that? So, I mean, to sit here and say that someone is, is privileged or they have white privilege, you know, I'm sure there's people who act like it. Right. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But to say that all white people have white privilege... Believe me, I, I think you and me would both agree our parents worked their butts off right. 
so they could have what they have. Yeah. And we worked our butts off to have what we have. Right. And I, I think it's a slap, you know, when, when something like that happens, it's a slap in the face to uh, some of my African-American friends who have worked their butts off to have the type yeah. of careers and jobs that they have because they wanted more. Yeah. And that's what America is about. And so people, I think, really need to get away from that narrative. Yeah. Well, I think it's such a slap in the face that they will look at the black community and say, you are so, uh, so, you know, disprivileged. And you, you are born with this, this innate disability that you need to go uh, expect an apology from somebody uh, to, to level the playing field. And they need to physically lower themselves mm-hmm. to, the, to equal the playing field with you. I mean, I just can't imagine how that helps anybody. And, you know, heads up to all the self-loathing liberals out there, uh, you know, hating yourself doesn't mean you love others. Not that in all. no way. W- how does that even make sense? Not at all. I mean, we're talking about, you know, spreading love and understanding and uniting as a country and trying to break yourself down so that you can, so you know, that ho- in hopes that somebody will post the video on Twitter and go viral. So all the other self-loathing liberals in their mother's basements will get their, you know, their Twitter workout in for the day mm-hmm. and say, man, wow, how inspiring. So courageous. It's so weak. It's stupid. And it solves nothing. What's what <laughs> you talk about social media was funny. Someone made a post the other, uh, the other day that basically said, you know, what are you doing? Well, I'm working. <laughs> and if, if, if more people would spend less time on social media and trying to clap back at everybody. We talked about it in episode three. Right. The but we'd all be in a much better place um, if people would just focus on their lives. Yeah. Be better people, not only to your neighbors. Have conversations and listen. Uh, we might be in a better place. Yeah. Uh, and then through the conversations that we've been having with a lot of people, and then now I guess the backlash of Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. now we're hearing people say, hey, you know what? The police, we don't need them to fund the police departments. Just stop paying them. Yeah. You know, because of this. And hey, let chaos reign, I guess. Hey. I, mean, I what I it is it's stupid. Yeah. It's I mean, stupid. Again, these senseless far left liberals could not possibly be better gun salesmen than with this next move. I mean, they're I've making never money seen, right now. I've never seen anybody <laughs> Thinking they're playing chess and they're they're playing checkers. I mean, they they couldn't put one move together with the next if somebody gave them the complete roadmap to winning the game. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a collective effort to sell more guns than letting liberals open their mouths with these policies. Um, I mean, they're so dumb if they think that they're winning by saying let's defund the police because the argument is always. You don't need a gun. You don't need a gun. You need to call the police. Yeah. Okay. So to come put me in a body bag because I can't defend myself. To help me understand that. You, so now you're going to tell me, first, the original argument is always, you don't need a gun. Call the police. Well, now if you defund the police, all I can do is re- resort back to having a gun. Mm-hmm. So thank you for winning the argument for me. This well, is beautiful. Well, I was having a conversation with my brother-in-law about it, and he went into, uh, over in Western Kentucky, one of the biggest gun stores in the state. And he said it was packed. Black, white, more people are buying guns right now because it will never happen. Some cities may try it and they'll see what happens, yeah. but it won't happen nationally. But some people are kind of afraid that what if it does happen? What if someone tries to break into my home? Yeah. You know what? They're going to be prepared. More people will have guns in this country yeah. by the time uh, the election day comes in November oh, than absolutely. ever before, 
everyone, no matter what race, gender you are, there will be women with concealed carries in their purses, uh, and there will probably be more people killed if you try to break into someone's home yeah. because of it. Well, I don't know if you saw it tonight, but on Fox, uh, I think it was Hannity had a video <laughs> of AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, great congresswoman yeah. in, in New York. She she said... She's a peach. Oh, this was eloquently spoken. She said, you need to draw a direct line. Is that, that's exactly how this she This is said, a right, direct right line. There. The box. Yeah. The box. The eye box. You need to draw a direct line between police budget and defense budget. Okay. Moving forward. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be giving undertrained police a tank if we didn't give the military too much money to have extra damn tanks lying around. Um, I don't even know where she's going with that. I mean, there, there aren't just extra tanks lying around for the Boone County Police and the Fayette County Police and the Jefferson County. I don't know what she's talking about or what world she lives in. You know, I mean, I think the only times I've seen uh, tanks in the cities of countries is yeah. like what China yeah. and protests in Hong Kong yeah. and, and Russia. You know, you see tanks in their streets. I, I don't really think unless it's been a parade that we've really had to have too many tanks yeah. rolling down the street. But as they say, you never know what could happen. So yeah. I don't think having a tank is a bad thing. No. But I really don't see we I don't really think we've seen a whole lot of tanks being rushed out into the New York City streets or any of our metropolitan cities where all these protests and yes, riots have happened over the past no. two weeks. I think she maybe got into one of those things where you know how she likes to drink wine and get on live streams and just mm. say dumb stuff. I think she did that one night but didn't start the live stream and got on Netflix and watched like Waco or something and was like, <laughs> This is live news. This is live TV. Can you believe this? We need to get these tanks out of here. They're down in Waco right now. Uh, and I think she just got on there and did the normal word vomit. Mm-hmm. And then now, you know, the the sheep are going, yes, that's policy. Yes, please, please, that's policy. And they'll continue on with it. No, I thought when uh, Joe Biden, he, I think he now has enough delegates to officially be yeah. the presumptive Democratic nominee. I thought they were basically going to hand re-election to Trump just by him being the nominee for the Democratic Party. But even Joe Biden says, no. I don't agree with defunding police right. because let me go and tell you something. If the Democratic narrative, if he's pressured by the far left liberals to end up going with, oh, let's let's push defunding the police, he will lose so bad by a landslide, and he knows it, and right. that's one reason he's pushing back against it. But the question is, again, with election time coming up, and what Nancy Pelosi's been having to deal with, how do you appease this side that has been so radical on the left? And a lot of the stuff that you're seeing from the political standpoint of all this, it's got it's disturbing. Well, I think they're loud on Twitter, but they're not very loud in the ballot box. I mean, no, not at we all. hear all these things. You watch Don Lemon, or you watch CNN, or you watch MSNBC, and you hear, oh, there's these this great wave of people that's going to abandon Trump. I mean, Trump won counties that Obama won in double digits. So yeah. we saw a big flip there. But this is very if this is a a move by Biden or by his handlers, mm-hmm. uh, to, to bring him back to the, <laughs> the center. Masters, you yeah, mean? I think they knew, they probably sat him down and said, please, for the love of God, don't say, <laughs> you've already said you ain't black, don't say you ain't a police officer or anything like that. Like We need to at least have the moderates mm. somewhat siding with us, but I don't think that's going to help. No, not at all. Uh, so there you have defunding the police. It probably won't go nowhere. We'll see how all that plays out as well. So then now, also during all this, the question is, what happened to COVID-19? It's gone. You know, the, all the attention 
rightfully so, went to George Floyd, right. his family, Black Lives Matter. You had people protesting all together, no social distancing. Right. Uh, it's uh, The thing that really gets me about that, and it's frustrating, obviously what has happened needed to happen. Voices need to be heard. Right. People need to speak up. Um, some people are making George Floyd a martyr. Um, thousands of people at his funerals, tons of big time people coming in to speak. Yeah. But all during this, during COVID-19 and even right now, other families can't put their loved ones to rest, can't right. have a normal funeral. But yet what we've seen with protests, riots, and this man's funeral, it doesn't seem like any rules apply, especially when it comes to COVID-19. Right. Well, I think it was something that they viewed as a symbol for the country. And I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, but Absolutely. you're right. Th- those families were denied closure. Um, but but this got a special pass. And I can see how that hurts a lot of people who didn't get to actually say goodbye to their relatives. But I'm not going to say, well, if if no, if the other families can't have a funeral, then also... George Floyd can have a funeral. I mean, he's going to become, and already is, a household name. That's a name I'll never forget. No. Uh, and that's a name that I'll always talk about when talking about, I mean, I don't, I don't view the country very much so as white versus black or, or anything like that. I view a lot of issues from a from a populist viewpoint of what what is what is big government versus we the people. And I felt like that was a moment where big government or an individual who was a part of an empowered government force felt emboldened to take advantage and uh, and overpower an individual who, you know, by all measurements was, you know, just a regular citizen. was a nobody. He didn't have a big connections. He wasn't a celebrity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is that watching that video, something I'll never forget. And so rightfully so we've had we've had protests. Yeah. Wrongfully so we've had riots. But rightfully so we've had a lot of protests. Here in Lexington, it's been a great example watching, you know, the police pray with protesters. I'm not mm-hmm. for the whole kneeling and get on your knees and bow to us type thing, but getting down and praying with somebody is as human as it can get. And I think having this funeral was important for the closure of America and for the country to say, Okay, this is a symbol and we're starting to heal again and mm-hmm. we'll be able to take steps forward. So in your mind, where do we go from here, from this? Because we've seen protests for the past two weeks. George Floyd Memorial is happening, like like we were just discussing. He'll be. So Taylor, where do we go from here? I mean, Derek Chauvin, he charges upgraded to second degree murder. Yeah. Other three cops in jail. His bail has been set at $1.25 million. That was announced today. What's next in this movement? Are we going to see more protests, hopefully not any more riots, leading all the way up to this trial? Or is this going to take uh, a back seat for a while, and then when the trial starts, are we going to pick back up full steam ahead? Well, I think if we're going to see any change long-term, we are going to have to see police reform, and I think that's sensible. We we can't just have a, a... police force that has room for bad apples. Mm-hmm. There's just not room for it. In a society that has to trust in government, we can't have people out there fearing for their life that if they come across a, a counterfeit bill uh, or if they you know, have a busted taillight, that that warrants a knee to the neck. Mm-hmm. We can't have a society that thinks that that's possible. And especially the black community can no longer move forward like that. We just can't let it happen. But if there's going to be actual change... And if your question is, you know, G- George Floyd's been laid to rest. The, you know, uh, Officer Chauvin has been arrested. 
He's now being tried, rightfully so. Where do we go from here? I think where we go from here is going to have to be dependent upon the actions from the White House. And whether, I don't know how it'll work constitutionally, but Mm -hmm. the messaging is going to have to come from the White House. Now, constitutionally, they'll probably work it out where they do reforms on more of a local and state level because Cowtown, USA is not going to police the same way that Miami-Dade County is. No, not at all. In the same way that they fought, they fought out and fought through and trimmed and changed, you know, the Civil Rights Act uh, on the state level and did, you know, things here and there. Some, Some states were ready to go and some states took a while to catch up. But the fact that it came from the White House as a presentation, as a central messaging that this isn't going to continue, I think is what we're going to have to see here in this situation if we're going to see any change. If not, where is where is the recovery? It's just going to continue hurting and boiling and festering. I think this is Trump's opportunity to really set that legacy as the person who they pinned as the racist to be everything but. And he's shown time and time again that he's not racist. But they will make the argument unless he has some sort of uh, federal push or federal mandate for reform. And then it kind of like a, like an executive order. They're just suggestions. They're not yeah. law. But if there's able to have some form of messaging coming from the white house, I think that's where we see actual change. Yeah. And actually have normal bullet points that whether you're in a big city or a small city, like you're talking about, they'll, they'll right. take those recommendations and they'll implement them in the way they see fit with their communities. Right. But I think the African American community is scared because for so long, they haven't got the ultimate justice that they've been right. looking for when cases like this have popped up. So the question uh, that a lot of people, and especially with this Black Lives Matter movement going on, is, is it a no-brainer? Is it a given that Derek Chauvin and, and the three other officers are going to be found guilty? Yeah. And their justice is going to be served? Or is another police officer going to get off for killing an innocent black man. I think there's no way. Now, when I was talking to some of my, you know, teammates growing up, the biggest grievance with them, and it was kind of the central messaging was justice delayed is justice denied. Mm. And one of the things that causes so much heartache and anger is seeing an officer who, even if it's questionable, um, and even if it's just straight wrongdoing, they've seen time and time again throughout their lives, uh, an officer who is, you know, suspended with pay. Now, the person from the black community, uh, whether it was, you know, self-defense or not on the officer's part, their justice was the pull of a trigger, and that was their judgment. Because of your actions, right or wrong, your judgment is you're you're gone. You're dead and gone, armed or unarmed. Mm -hmm. But the officer, they've seen too many cases throughout their lives in the black community. The officer, they get their trial. They get their day in court. And that feels like that is justice that's yanked from them. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. I can understand the frustration in that. And and I share that with them because when you see that happen from a government standpoint, from from a we the people versus big government standpoint, that has to make you angry to see that happen. Um, And I never really, I I, I never really thought of it that way. But thinking about it that way now, I understand that need to protest, that need to get out in the street, that need to have their voice heard. Because justice delayed truly is justice denied. And I think that, uh, that, that Officer Chauvin is not going to get away with this. And it's almost the same kind of sentiment that, you know, if they had convicted OJ, mm-hmm. uh, in story after story we see where, where they say, well, you know, everybody kind of thought, well, if we convict him, that there's going to be another L.A. riot. And so they think that played a part in that court case. I think this one, it's the opposite. Uh, if they, you know, if they let, let him 
you know, free, it's going to create more riots. Mm-hmm. And the other scenario was if they arrest, if they convict him, there's going to be riots. With this one, I think there's no way, and the evidence is right there. We've all seen it. Yeah. There is no, hey, let, you know, we're going to go in the court and we're going to present the evidence. The evidence has already been there for all of us to it see. You can see shooting. it right there on your phone. No. The man had his knee on the man's neck for almost 10 minutes. Yeah. Grinding it. The guy couldn't breathe. Yeah. I mean, it was intentional. And, yeah, it's all there for everyone to see. Yeah. And <laughs> if for some reason he gets off, yeah, there will be absolutely hell to pay. There will be protests and riots. If you think it's been bad over the past two weeks, yeah. it'll be like something this country hadn't seen for a long, long Never. time. You'll take it back to the 60s yeah. and the 70s when those type of protests were going on. And this one could be even worse if justice isn't, isn't truly served. So, yeah. well, well, I I, I saw uh, at George Floyd's funeral, Al Sharpton spoke. There's quite a few good speakers. And he had his normal things that he had to say to kind of rile some people up or mm-hmm. you know try to get some attention, which is fine. But he he... The main message that he emphasized was this is the time. And I truly believe that this is the time. This is such a blatant instance of big government power and an emboldened government uh, official having their, their knee on the neck of a common, everyday person that this has to be the time for reform. And I, I really do think it has to come from the White House because all the countries across the world are watching. Now, I see people say that a lot, and we're the freest country in the world. So for a country you know, that still has slavery going on or that has people that are dying of famine to say, well, they're watching us, I mean, we're as hopeful as it gets across the world. So you can, you can downgrade America all you want to, but don't forget what place we hold in the world. Yeah, still do, no matter what, no matter our worst day. It's a thousand times better than someone else's best day somewhere else on this earth. And speaking of the best days, hopefully the best days ahead of us are for the state of Kentucky. Right. Because old Andy Bashir can't be doing that. Back at it again. There's a lot of things that we wish he wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Because it's been frustrating. Uh, But he had his normal COVID-19 update today. Um, Of course, there's more cases, a few more deaths. Uh, Hopefully we're plateauing. Think we're there. Think we're starting to down It was 14 days to slow the spread. Yeah. Where'd that go? I don't know. Round phase two, I, I don't guess. Know. We'll see. Whatever they say it is. Whatever it takes. Yeah, so Andy Bashir had some comments today. Some people are kind of taking a little bit controversial. Uh, he said that he is going to pre- uh, present and make sure that 100% free health care uh, for the African-American uh population here in the state of Kentucky um, for those who are disproportionate that have been affected by COVID-19 and with everything going on and as much unemployment as we have in the state, there's a lot of people who are looking at this, Taylor, like a like a political ploy. Yeah. Sure. If people don't have health insurance and they need to be treated, most people would say as a governor, you would go, OK, for all Kentuckians, you know, we're seeing this many people are dying. This many people are getting sick. Yeah. For the African-American community, it's two and one. So we want to make sure we take care of them. We want to take care of everybody. But. With what's been happening with the George Floyd incident, it almost says if you're if you're just singling out African Americans, say we're going to make sure you are the ones that get 100. percent People are reading through the lines that it's just a political point statement at this point in time. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think every sensible person, you know, of every uh, whoever your uh, advisor uh, is, Andy, <laughs> bad advice. Cut them loose. I mean, back at it again with the pandering. Or I mean, when do, when does it end? Um, this is such a bad play. This is going to get shut down by the courts mm-hmm. so fast. His little head with the rolled up sleeves is going to spin. 
So he's going to go out to the next briefing, and and it, any court's going to throw down the book and go, "What are you talking like? Yeah, like was this for real mm-hmm. or is this satire? Yeah, because I mean it is twenty twenty. Half the stuff we see in the news, I'm like, all right, is that an Onion article or is that an actual bill presented by Congress? No, it's the Daily Mail. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just it's twenty twenty, and I really couldn't tell if it was satire or not, but. It's true, and that's what his push is going to be. I think it's the worst play of political pandering I've seen in a long time. So a straight time. headline, because that's what he's good yeah. at. It's headline? Well, he won the headlines with Bevan, and it got him in the governor's mansion. Um, if you if you replaced him saying you know African-American or black community um, with any other race, there would be a, a crowd circling the, the governor's mansion right now uh, ready to you know get him out of there. Mm-hmm. But... You know it's accessible now, and he th- he thinks it's you know some sort of virtue signal uh, that he's going to bend over backwards to to you know take part in this political pandering. And most people are laughing at him. I went on Facebook and just searched Andy Brashear Black Healthcare, mm-hmm. uh, and there was you know I saw a, a black woman's comment on there. If I can find it again, I'll I'll link it and post it on the page. But she was just like, I mean, does he think this is all it takes to get my vote? I mean, does he think I'm a single issue person these day and age? Whoever yeah. can pander. Uh, to my community is who's going to win. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. and, and you're seeing that across the board. Uh, going to keep spending that money, driving the state in <laughs> debt. I mean, Kentuckians, I mean, we are in debt. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna almost get as bad as the Oh, the it's country. bad. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> Kentucky needs Dave Ramsey so bad right now. I mean, we need to be handing out envelopes at the state capitol going, all right, your cabinet mm. has $4 million in this envelope. You can't spend more than four million, okay? And they go, all right. So we can spend four and a half million. Good, to, good to know. Thank you. Yeah. We need a good old Dave Ramsey back in here to, to straighten him out. Um, to to basically say, this is the money we have. You can't spend more than we take in, and that's what we're doing consistently. But the more he can talk about uh, Black Lives Matter or the Black Healthcare play now or COVID, 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 mm-hmm. the less he has to worry about the word. Pension. Governing. There's other <laughs> issues to worry about. It sounds like he's going. He's taking a playbook out of good old dad. You know, yeah. Obamacare came around. And it was supposed to make sure that anyone who wanted government health care could end up getting it. Sure. But, of course, no. We're and you could keep your plan, too. You can keep your plan. We're going to do KY Connect. We're going to do the same thing. Yeah. We're going to take more of Kentuckians' taxpayer dollars, even though the pension isn't fully funded, and we're going to do our own thing yeah. when you could be getting it from where your taxpayer dollars sure. are going anyway. From Obamacare. Well, what's never more, happened? What is more bureaucratic than redundant spending? I mean, nothing says I'm a bureaucrat and I like it. Then I want to I want to yeah. get engaged in some redundant spending here because for the, the government, government. It's all you need. Government's all you need. Yeah, they'll take care of you. Yeah, you don't need to work. Don't need don't need anything. Right. Well, the sensible majority knows that nobody's coming to save us when they say the term uh, government. Benefit, government bailout, government reform. What that really means is they're going to shift around more of our own money mm-hmm. or borrow more money and put it on us. Yeah. You know, it's illegal for you to go get a credit card in your neighbor's name, buy stuff for them, and say, hey, this is this is for you. Aren't I great? And then they get the bill. But in America, that's just government. That's just yeah. another day in Frankfurt. That's just another day in Washington. Yeah. And so the fact that they get away with it year after year after year is why we're in this mess. But the pension... I mean, the pension is in such bad shape. I think, I think honestly, a lot of them are um, are taking a, advantage of a lot of these mm-hmm. other distractions because they have to avoid what's at hand. I really think, and it may be conspiracy theory, but I really think old Andy thinks the government is going to bail him out. I think he wants to 
do what he has to do to seem like, oh, we're getting back right. to normal. But he's spending money that we don't have. Yeah. We're not bringing in the tax revenue like we've Not like even we close. Should, not even close. Pension's not even fully funded. And he's begging. He's going to be begging for the U.S. government to bail out the state of Kentucky to refill that pension shortfall and then look like the hero moving forward. But we've already heard from McConnell, who is from Kentucky, yeah. saying ain't happening. No. Can't be doing that. No. Uh, the the Band-Aid is not going to work. No. The Band-Aid approach is not going to work. That's why we need to get back to smaller government, less spending. Um, we need to have Republicans and Democrats be sensible on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to cut the programs that are excessive uh, in terms of government spending. I mean, th- this is not the fat calf that, that they think it is. Yeah, You can only kick the can so far, and you can only use more of our own money and give it back to us and tell us how charitable you are as a government employee for so long. How about taking taxpayer dollars and doing common sense things? Yeah. You know, so we can have, uh, you know, sustained tax cuts, infrastructure yeah. rebuild. The main thing that Donald Trump has talked about, whether you hate him or not, he is right about this. The main job of the president of the United States, the main job of the governor, and the main job of people who run your cities is to make sure your workforce has opportunities. Yeah. And for the longest time, we've seen those opportunities go to other countries, yeah. people out of work. And the reason why the unemployment rate was so low until COVID-19 we, it was because there's opportunities in this country. Stop wasting our taxpayer dollars. Get things done that the people in this country need, and especially here in the state of Kentucky, and do things the right way instead of hoping and praying out of nowhere yeah. some money's going to fall on your lap and it's going to take care of the pension because yeah. it's not. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it really hurts. Every time I have to send in a quarterly tax bill for my business and in that same month I have to get lost in the potholes on the way to Northern <laughs> Kentucky, it just makes me wonder, where does it go? Mm-hmm. Like, what happens to it? Because when it goes to the Department of Revenue, I just kind of wonder, like, I mean, is it deployed at all? Is it a joke? Because it definitely comes out of the account. Yeah. But I don't see the pothole fix. So maybe we need to get back to the basics of government uh, before we get into the business of pandering for virtue signaling mm-hmm. to actually get things done around here. Yeah. Well, maybe Daniel Cameron can look into that for us. Yeah. I'm yeah. hoping he says something here soon because, I mean, this right here, he's got to go <laughs> off on this. He's oh, got to yeah. call this out for just the illegalities in it itself. Mm-hmm. And two, he's got to call it out for the pandering because, no. you know, he was on Matt Jones's show and they talked about black issues and stuff like that. And I think with this now, I mean, this is his time to finally get super vocal and say, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if his play is going to be, well, I don't want to have these lawsuits and squander, you know, uh, you know, government money. I want to be a fiscal conservative and he doesn't want to, you know, waste money doing those things. But he's got to come out and say something, and he's got to hit and Andy hard on this, or he, or else he's going to look soft. Yeah. Well, here in the state of Kentucky, we have the primaries yeah. uh, coming up, and it's going to be interesting because Amy McGrath is uh, the presumptive Democratic nominee that's going to take on Mitch McConnell in the U.S. Senate race, uh, race. But there's a state rep by the name of Charles Booker who has given her a run for her money. Well, um, <laughs> well, uh, well, DC's I mean, money. DC's money. But he's gaining momentum. Oh, yeah. And he's been out there yeah. working the streets, talking to people. And time and time again, she contend- continues to have some uh, flunders. Yeah. She's, well, it's not going well. The truth is, I mean, he has the momentum, and she has the big, out-of-touch D.C. money that helped her lose to Andy Barr mm-hmm. that's hopefully going to propel her to have a glorious loss to Senator McConnell. Yeah. So 
We'll wait and see, but he definitely has the momentum. I mean, he's killing it out there. I mean, have you seen that new ad that he, he has running out yes. there? During the debate between them two uh, last weekend, uh, the moderator asked Amy McGrath, well, obviously, you're a Democrat, you're yeah. liberal, you know, uh, the African-American community should count on you. Yeah. Well, what protest did you go to here in the state of Kentucky? Louisville, Lexington? Stunned. Oh, I, uh, I didn't. <laughs> well, why not? Well, I, I, family, family things had to had to do she looked like stunned she that, wasn't ready that the for que- that no and then what, what does booker do booker takes that response and puts it in the ad and then there he is yep. out in the crowds letting people know who he is what he stands for he's there for the african-american community for the black lives matter movement uh we could it could go down to the wire and what an upset it would be dc's golden girl right getting upset and Mr. Booker winning yeah. uh, the Democratic nomination for U.S. Senate. I mean, that's the vibe in politics right now. The person out of left field, the person who you're not expecting who comes, you know, not from the traditional establishment, deep pocket type fundraising type deal. We saw that with Trump. I mean, he came out against the establishment of establishments in the Republican primary. Jeb was going to win. Oh, Jeb, I, he basically was basically, like, hey, uh, it's anoint me. It's my time. Yeah. Dad said, the okay. Dynasty. My brother said, it's my turn, uh, and it didn't work. No. And, I mean, you think about the fundraising they had. Oh, my God. Those, <laughs> that's old money. Yeah. Like, that's money we that's can't even comprehend. Money, that's Walmart money. That's yes. a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And Trump came right in and cut it right up. And mm-hmm. he, he controlled the headlines. Uh, he minimized those what we viewed as big figures in politics with the low-energy Jeb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he completely dismantled poor Jeb, and he had all those. He, I mean, he had a war chest to spend, and he spent it and lost. And every debate, farther and farther away from the center stage, mm-hmm. because Trump just obliterated him. And I kind of see that dynamic here with Booker, yeah, going at McGrath and saying, "Look, yeah, that's right. You're the establishment. You're the chosen child of the DNC. You're the chosen child of of uh, you know DC and, and Washington money that they've got in, and they've propped her up and they pushed the whole." Uh, female running for office and they push the veteran thing Mm -hmm. and he's coming in saying i really don't care i'm the real deal i'm out here protesting with the people and you're filming ads on defense and i'm telling y'all defense is not a good place to be in a primary the fact that she has the money and she's already playing defense i mean that's like playing it's like playing not to lose halfway through the fourth quarter every team that does that that gets conservative and starts playing defense ends up losing. It's the team that plays to win that ends up winning. Now, I don't know if that'll work for him, uh-huh. but he's got the momentum to pull it off. Well, optics is everything, and you have to sit there and go, in this day and age, when it comes to politics, is the is the day and age where the powers to be, the higher-ups with all these uh, Republican or Democratic uh, societies, that they get to handpick and place people to run for office? Yeah. Do you think that's kind of over with? Because you have so many people with a voice. It used to be, oh, man... They might dig up some dirt on yeah. me. It could embarrass me. I don't know if I ever want to run for office. Yeah. But now it seems like people don't care. Like yeah. if they want to they want to speak their mind, yeah. they go for it. And it seems like it's paying off for a lot of people all across the country. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's primarily the change in the culture of, of the country. People are tired of seeing the same old white dudes with white hair that just it's their time. It's their mm-hmm. time to go. And you really start to see that change with Obama and McCain. Yeah. The way Obama was able to energize, and I didn't realize it back then. I I had no idea I was in eighth grade, and I like, just played football and hardly ever watched the news. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> understand what a power player of who Obama was to an electorate mm-hmm. because he was inspiring 
and you know, hope was one of his key words. Yeah. But he was inspiring to the electorate, and he could pull just enough of the moderates to win. And I think a lot of people, we had just had George W. Bush, mm-hmm. and that presidency had its had its turmoil. Yeah. And I think people saw John McCain and said, this is the same old, same old. And they saw the same with John Kerry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, thinking about that, I think that has changed in the country. Mm-hmm. And that's why we start seeing these young, scrappy, hungry, grassroots type people mm-hmm. like an AOC. Yeah. As big of a, a bonehead as she is, as, as much as we love to make fun of her, I mean, she won because she was able to energize people to vote for her. Absolutely. And she beat an older white dude yeah. who had, who just thought, he, I mean, I don't even think he campaigned. It was yeah. basically like, is, I got this. Yeah. And she was able to take it over. The fact that people like her and Ilhan Omar and people like that that, that are able to win office now, a young Muslim woman, I mean, how many old white guys in that district thought, man, this is my time. You know, I've been here. I've been a lawyer for three decades. It's time to do it. And somebody like that comes in and it has the energy mm-hmm. and, and the moxie to win it. And I think that is changing in politics in America. Yeah, it's a small sec uh, when you talk about AOC and 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 the, and the what do you call them? The Fantastic Four. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what what the nickname is for them. Yeah. But it, they they represent a small group of people. Right. But, but they're a loud group. They're a loud group. But it's almost like the silent majority, the sensible majority. It's like ah, you know, we'll show up at the polls. We'll vote how we want to vote. But it's those who get out there with their voice, man, they can cause a ruckus. And, right. then it, and then it gets people all worried. And it, you just have to wonder in this day and age if the sensible majority, the people who really are the majority of this country and how they feel of all races, would stand up like we're kind of seeing with the Black Lives Matter, how much it would wash those people who are so far left. Yeah, It would wash them out and we wouldn't have to deal with them. But, you know, I guess that's part of politics. A lot of people want to be like, ah, you kind of keep it to yourself until it's time to go to the polls. And I think that's what we're seeing as we're getting ready for probably one of the most contentious, ugly, not only on television, on debate, (laughs) on commercials. You won't see a local commercial on probably for about two months once uh, the primaries are over. Oh, it's going to be a bloodbath. But you know what? It's gonna be fun to watch. Oh yeah, it's gonna be. fun. You know what? I love it. See, that's it's what, gonna be good. It's gonna be good. There's gonna be a lot of points made. We hopefully you liked our points, and if you want to listen to our podcast, be sure to check it out on Anchor or Spotify. Check out our YouTube channel to check out us bantering live on uh, on YouTube, and go to our Facebook page. We post about a number of topics every single day. Let us know what you think. We love to talk politics, and we're gonna be here for you. So. Absolutely. And if there's a topic we're not talking about. Let us know, and we'll we'll you know get active and do our research and come up with our take on it. And if there's something we've said that you hate, let us know. Burn us up. We don't care. We're here to talk. We're yeah. here to we're here to create a dialogue, and we we enjoy it. And that's what it's all about. So he's Taylor Davis. I'm Brandon Fisher. Thanks for watching the Sensible Majority. Absolutely. God bless. All right. Now we know where the battery is.